KLIN Radio and the Lincoln Independent Business Association. This is the Lincoln Business Beat, a weekly summary of news affecting area business and a review of interesting topics and issues. Along with LIBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vail. Glad to have you joining us. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. Learn more at GoCurrency.com. Well, Dave Shively retired last month after, I believe it was 23 years as the Lancaster County Election Commissioner, but Governor Pillen made the appointment and the announcement uh, last week, right after we recorded Lincoln Business Beat. Yeah, we, we maybe we need to be nicer to Governor Pillen. He can get us that so we can get it a little sooner. But uh, no, I was able to go to the retirement party for uh, Dave Shively last week. It was nice. Again, thanks, Dave. I'm sure you're a loyal listener. Uh, and then also uh, announced that Todd Wilchin is going to be joining the Lancaster County Election Office as the commissioner starting on February 13th. So we're just a little over a week away, or just a few days away, I guess. Got to get my calendar right. I guess <laughs> Valentine's Day is getting close. My wife probably want me to make sure I know when that is. So, um, But Todd, Todd's been around a long time. He's been very active. He's a former elected official. County commissioner, right? Yeah, he was a county commissioner for Northeast Lancaster County. Uh, Todd also served with uh, Senator Hagel, worked in his office, worked for State Senator Mark Coulterman, um, and most recently worked over uh, on policy matters at the chamber. So he's got a wide breadth of being around elections as a, a staffer for an elected official, as an elected official, having walked and knocked doors. So... I think Todd will do a nice job, and uh, we welcome him to Lancaster County. And as our gift to him, he gets about two months, Leslie, less than two months from his first day, he gets to run an election. So congratulations, Mr. Wilchin. April 4th is the primary here in Lincoln, and a number of people have filed for open positions. Still uh, time to file, I believe, uh, for another, what, few weeks. Yeah, there's a couple weeks left, so it's interesting. I was looking at the... The filing deadlines and the non-incumbent filing deadline, or excuse me, the incumbent filing deadline, which is anyone that's currently an elected official, is the 15th of February. So that's coming up here next week. Uh, And then March 1st for school board and then March 3rd for the other offices that are up this time. We do have, uh, of course, uh, some uh, that have already filed, uh, mayors. Uh, We've got Suzanne Geist. Uh, Lincoln City Council, District 1, Taylor Wyatt has filed, and in uh, I believe also in District 3, Elena Newman. Yeah, so um, obviously if you haven't driven around Lincoln in the last couple months, you haven't noticed that there's a mayoral election coming up. Uh, Suzanne Geis has a few billboards out there uh, to get her name out. but uh, So you've got State Senator Suzanne Geis, who's going to run for mayor. Um, and then the districts, just if you think of the city and all... The districts aren't drawn in quadrants, but we'll give the listeners a general idea. District 1 is Northeast Lincoln. District 2 is Southeast Lincoln. District 3 is Southwest Lincoln. And District 4 is Northwest Lincoln. So that's kind of the general areas. So, um, But also there's some other um, things on the ballot this year. The Lincoln Airport Authority has a couple of positions open um, that will be on the ballot. And then also there's three of the Lincoln Public School Districts, which are not as easy to uh <laughs> to direct people um but districts two four and six and you can go to the election commissioner's website and take a look at those maps and if you're interested in running uh you know we always say on the lincoln business beat decisions are made by those who show up so uh maybe time to put your money where your mouth is and 
campaign for one of these offices. Another project in Lincoln uh, is coming closer and closer to getting started. I believe they've got some groundbreaking scheduled already, but that's for the Lincoln Youth uh, Sports Complex, the new baseball, softball, I, baseball and softball, yes. I believe. Yes, so. baseball and softball. And, and, and I've been hearing a lot about this over the last three or four years, having a baseball background and knowing a lot of baseball folks. Um, but, you know, just the need with all the youth baseball and softball that happens in Lincoln, a good place that we can host tournaments, play games, and <clears throat> be able to attract people to our city. And so I, I appreciate what this group has done as they've developed this project because it's not just youth baseball. It's also going to have, a ch- I'll call it a championship-level field uh, where high schools could play on it, as well as Nebraska Wesleyan is going to be the anchor client for vo- both baseball and softball. So it's a nice project to bring Wesleyan. It'll be an opportunity for the high schools and then all these youth tournaments that are happening in the summers. People who say uh, or ask the question, is there a need for it? Uh, what I didn't realize is that the Nebraska State Championships, I believe, um, I, I don't remember which championship, for the last several years has actually been played in Council Bluffs, Iowa, because we didn't have enough facilities. Yeah, I think it's one of the lower yeah. youth below high school. But, yeah, so they have to have their state tournament in Council Bluffs, and I think with casinos we're taking some money away, so let's take this money back and keep it in Nebraska too. Absolutely. Legislature and uh, the full throes of hearings, uh, primarily hearings, all-day hearings when they're uh, going, and Lieb has been involved in testimony on several of them. Uh, let's do a deep dive on what the legislature is doing how about we do that? Yeah, we've spent some time down there. And when you say all day, I can tell you I've spent some 10-hour days down there for hearings. So Yeah, there's been uh, there's been several uh, eight, nine, 10-hour hearings and, and, and big top, uh, subjects. So we'll uh, do our deep dive next. Uh, but in the meantime, you need help finding reliable financing options for heavy machinery, trucks, or other equipment for your business. Currency is here to help. Currency specializes in finding the most competitive financing options for construction equipment, farm machinery, trucks, trailers, other big-ticket items as well. And whether you're replacing older machines, expanding your fleet, Currency makes it easy to get the financing. It's secure, free to use, and gives you a single point of contact for the entire process. Visit GoCurrency.com, fill out the application. Currency will automatically find a lender offering the best rates and terms. Currency is equipment financing made simple. Visit GoCurrency.com and apply today. Offers may vary and arranged by Express Tech Financing, LLC. Doing business as currency. Pursuant to CFL License 60DBO-54873. With the legislature underway, this is the 90-day session. And, of course, the budget is one of the big items. But one of the priorities that uh, Governor Pillen outlined in, when he talked with us here on Lincoln Business Beat including uh, school funding, and, and uh, I know Lieber testified on behalf of uh, at least one of the bills. Um, you were there. Give us a rundown of the, the way it's uh, being presented and what the legislature is actually dealing with. I, I was, uh, so what the, uh, the legislature's d- dealing with in this bill, particularly it's uh, LB583, is the funding formula for schools, which is always... A contentious issue <laughs> and you know and, and and rightfully so you know the schools are questioning what's going to happen with our funding and 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 we get a lot of back and forth and 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 different things on the bills and 
this this bill this year that Governor Pillen outlined. First, let's let's go back to after he was elected and um, about the time he was at the Liba lunch in December. Um, to his credit, Governor Pillen brought together a group of interested parties. I will say on the school funding formula. He had ag groups. He had business groups. He had uh, school administrators. He had school teachers. He had all of the players, I will call it, in the room having a conversation, which is probably one of the things, as I've observed the legislature over the years, is it sometimes feels like when bills are presented, they are developed in an echo chamber and, you know, didn't talk to anybody else. And this was not the case. So I give Governor Pillen a ton of credit for doing that and bringing everybody together with a bill, which is LB 583. And and generally speaking, it's going to change the number of uh, what we call equalized schools, uh, so to speak. So there's uh, right now 86 out of the 244 school districts in Nebraska receive equalization aid. So about a third. So two-thirds of the school aren't getting equalization aid. And Without getting too deep into the Teosa formula, because that will make us both fall asleep, and nobody wants to listen to us snore on the Lincoln business beat. Um, But essentially, I mean, think about that. We've gone from 205 equalized schools in 2007 to 86. So, I mean, that is just inverted itself on the number of schools. So what this would do was increase the uh, aid for... Uh, equalization, but also it also brings the state back to their commitment of uh, funding special education, um, which is a big component of this bill as well. So Liba testified in support of this bill. And it's with this bill, it and, and sometimes you got to think of bills as packages, right? Um, and the governor obviously have his, has his tax passage package, but when we talk about these bills, we're talking about bills that come together to address property taxes, which has been a huge issue that Liba has talked about for years and years and years. And so with the additional funding in state aid, our hope is we're going to be able to lower levies, lower property taxes to help the taxpayer because we've talked about valuations on here previously. Yeah, the... Um amount of funding that would change from local property taxes to the state level, fairly significant. And this also then uh, also, I believe, addresses the governor's uh, desire to have it based more on a per pupil level than on the Teosa type funding. Yeah. And so uh, one of the numbers that Governor Pillen threw out when he testified was $1,500 per student. Um, now think about that. There's 244 school districts across the state. That's a lot of students, and um, and so I think I think we're on the right track, and we're having a good conversation. And I appreciate Governor Pillen's just passion for this project and to, to get the the funding for the students, which is going to help uh, lower property taxes. And that's always one of the one of the blowbacks we hear when we talk about property taxes with the school district is, well, we don't know what we're going to get from the state, and will we get this, and will we get that? I think maybe this stabilizes that a little bit, 
for the school districts so that we can have a real conversation about what's going to happen with the property tax levy. Because as you know, we the valuations keep going up and they keep the levy the same. And they say, well, we didn't raise your tax levy. Well, guess what? I'm paying a lot more in taxes this year than I am than I did last year. So, And this really also <clears throat> affects rural uh, districts. Actually, it will help them more than it would be the larger cities uh, because the equalization some of the larger districts have been getting aid and some of the smaller districts have not under the current situation. And that's, Correct. That, it's, that seems a little, uh, un, I don't know, it just seems a little odd. I didn't realize that. But that has put a huge property tax burden, especially on agriculture. Yeah, and, and the the state has tried to put some Band-Aids on some different things um, to try to help the the ag producers. I mean, they've dropped the the amount so it's not valued at a hundred percent or it's not at a hundred percent evaluation it's at i think it's down to 75 i want to say or something like that um so they've tried to ease that because you know um one of the things i my grandfather was a farmer in south dakota and you know we would always talk about you know just hear things that the family talks about and, you know, he always said, all of my money is tied up in land and cattle and hogs and equipment. It's not liquid cash, right? And so that's one of the things when you start seeing, and, and I've heard this over the last several years where uh, farmers have ha- farmers and ranchers across the state have had to sell because they can't afford to pay their property tax bill. You know, it's not that they're not running a good operation but they just couldn't keep up with the valuations that were uh, put on their their land, and they had to get rid of the land. And you know, agriculture's the dri- driver of our state, so we've got to figure out something. And and I think just getting that conversation going is good. Well, in the past, uh, oftentimes the funding of education was a topic that was discussed. Uh, property tax relief was also discussed, but there really have to be discussed, as you said, uh, in in a in the context of a package because those they're actually a you know opposite they're challenging each other well you know um governor former governor dave heineman's a good friend of mine and we've talked about taxes um quite extensively over the years and um and i was i i got to know him as he was about to leave office and uh one of the things i've always heard governor heineman talk about was we've got to have a simultaneous conversation about school funding and taxes and you know we we can't just do one without the other and we need to understand how we're going to do both so um i think it'll be interesting to watch how this bill progresses the intriguing thing to me mark when i sat through that four-hour hearing so it's only a half day of the legislature that day <laughs> but there were 17 people that showed up and testified in support of the bill um there were four P, four organizations that showed up to oppose the bill and four organizations that showed up and to test excuse me testified in a neutral capacity which sometimes when we talk about school funding it's you know almost reverse you know there's four six seven people talk about um were in support and there's a bunch of people against so i think some of the groups and and the other thing i found fascinating was lps testified in support of the bill ops testified against it 
and the Papillion La Vista schools testified neutral. So there's there's just a really different, I'll say, mentality or I guess I get a different level of support for this bill across the different school districts. So you had, you know, some people representing the rural schools that liked it. And then you had, you know, some folks from uh, the Greater Nebraska School Association, I think is name of it. They testified neutral. So did the Benning superintendent. So the schools are kind of are in different positions on this as well. So I think it's a great bill to watch. And then um, also uh, Chair Merman in the Education Committee said that there was one letter that they received in support of it. So if you break down the numbers, it was 18 people supported it, four people against it, and uh, four in a neutral capacity. So see where it goes. I'm sure it's going to go to the floor of the legislature for a conversation. Indeed, and uh, there's a few other things. Let's just uh, run through them very quickly that Lee was also watching or testifying on. Uh, I know the one that uh, was testified was on some sales tax uh, turn back for uh, such things as convention centers. Uh That uh, was before the uh, Revenue Committee. Well, and see, that's another one that's an intriguing bill because Senator Wishart has a bill to uh, help get some of the funding that would help fund the building of a convention center in Lincoln. And then you've got Senator Bostar that uh, there's a, a statute that um, there was a turnback tax, and I'm not a tax expert. so um, But it, anyway, it kind of helps on the taxes that are collected to go pay off the bond. Um, but that had expired in 2012. And so it helped build things like, I think, the Ralston Arena, I think it helped build the Quest Center, which is now the CHI Center in Omaha and, and different other places. But since it sunsetted in 2012, now we got to change the date to open it up to 2030 uh, for a potential application. And it's not saying the entity gets it. I think that's the important, interesting thing about that bill is it opens up so that the applications can be accepted. And, of course, that would also help the uh, some of the projects going on in Omaha as well. Uh, I mean, there's some companion legislation on a sports complex uh, uh, proposal for North Omaha. And those are all kind of coming into this same general area of discussion. Yeah, so it's, you know, some years in the legislature, you do a lot of blocking and tackling on just certain bills or, you know, advocating because they seem like there's a lot of siloed bills. This year, it seems to me there's a lot of bills that are companion, as you said, that, you know, you've got to kind of look at that big picture and how are those bills. So I think there's three of them this week that were uh, up and up for committee. Then last week we had the convention center bill. So like there's are four bills that kind of move together. And so, um, you know, sometimes you go, why don't we just do these all at once? But but because of certain things, it's different. And of course, you've got. 49 state senators, which is 49 other visions of the 45, 49 different visions for the state and 49 different ideas on how to get there. And so, um, but it has nothing to do with ego. <laughs> I'd compare this to a juggler and the old line, uh, there's a lot of balls in here on some of this. There stuff. are a lot of balls. And, and I'm going to give another shout out to Katie Bullmeyer in our office. Katie, uh, our policy research coordinator, does a great job of tracking all these bills and, you know, you talk about a lot of balls in the air as the CEO at Leba. I've got a lot of balls in the air, um, meeting with members, recruiting members, testifying in the legislature, getting out there to different community events. But Katie does a great job of 
tracking these, monitoring these, and helping keep us informed. And she does a great policy update to our LIBA members every Friday. And for me, it's great reading over the weekend to kind of catch up on anything I might have missed. So so there you have it. Uh, that's the deep dive for today and uh, this edition of the Lincoln Business Beat. But I do want to also just mention briefly, coming up on the LIBA lunch for February, a big project that uh, is uh, right before Lincoln uh, City Council will be taking it up, and that's Water 2.0. We're going to hear a lot more about that. Yeah, you know, we recall back to the floods of 2019 when uh, Lincoln almost lost their access to water. Um, this is a new project that would build a pipeline, basically, and a water treatment center from uh, the Platte, or excuse me, the Missouri River to, Link- to Lincoln to make sure that we have a secondary water source. The council will be taking action on it. And then also, um, we're going to have that at our LIBA lunch on February 21st. So we'll have a presentation on that. And then there's going to be a public forum on March 7th at Southwest High School for people to come and hear about the project. And, I mean, folks, we're talking about, in today's dollars, $1.3 billion. And this is about a 20-year project. So... You know, just at a little bit of escalation in price and costs, it's probably a $2 billion project. It's important to understand what's happening. So we're trying to give as many opportunities uh, for the community and the LIBA members to understand what's happening. And if if you're thinking of that in terms of uh, size of project, that would be about five times the size of the project money-wise as the South Beltway. Yeah, and everybody was wide-eyed about the number that went with that. So it's a big investment. It's a it's an investment in our future of our community, and it needs to. the conversation needs to be had, and we need to think about how we're going to move forward with that. This has been the Lincoln Business Beat from the Lincoln Independent Business Association and KLIN Radio, reviewing and updating business owners and community members about what's happening in the business community in and around Lincoln. Along with LEPA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vail. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. Learn more at GoCurrency.com.